Well, again, good morning. Before we take a look at our reading, which is from Acts chapter 2, and dive a little bit deeper into what God has for us this morning, I think it's only right that we take a few minutes to uh, allow him to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message that he has for us this morning. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks that you have indeed drawn us together as a family, that you've set aside this time in which to meet with us as your people. And so, Lord, we ask now that as we come before your word, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us this morning. And Lord, if there's any barriers that would keep us from hearing your message, God, we ask that you would remove them. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, we've been going through this series called This Is Us, in which we're looking at what does it mean to be the church. And we've said that being the church is really about being a family. It's about being God's family on mission with him. And so we've been looking at different family values that we hold. And as I said at the very beginning of of this service, I said that, that the value we're looking at this morning is one that makes many people, Christians included, uncomfortable that it's one of the more challenging values to talk about, not just within our culture, but to even talk about within the church. And the value is simply stated this way, that in, that in our family, that is the family of God, we give sacrificially. We give sacrificially. Now, if you were to type in the word sacrifice into Google, you'd get a couple definitions, but one of the definitions that you would get is this, is that a sacrifice is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. That a sacrifice is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. That's what it means to sacrifice. And the reason why I wanted to highlight that definition is because our story for this morning is a strange story. It's an odd story in which giving sacrificially features in a very large way. We find it in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to go ahead and open up to that text with me this morning. Now, when this story takes place is shortly after... uh, Um, Peter, the kind of the leader of Jesus' followers, has given his very, very first sermon. You see, Easter has already happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And right before this happens, he actually gives his followers a gift. He gives them his Holy Spirit. God sets up residence in their hearts, and they immediately start telling everybody about Jesus. And Peter kind of gives his first sermon, and then right after that, we get this description of the early church and what their family life was like. And here's what it says. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
This is a beautiful description of what life was like in the early church. And as we read through this passage, there are many things in there that when we read them, we, we, we kind of read them and we're like, wow, that sounds really good. I mean, there's, there's certain behaviors, certain family values that they're living out. I mean, one of the values is that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they spend time hearing about Jesus and hearing about God's word and what it means to follow him. But they also devote themselves to each other. They spend time in prayer. They meet regularly, day by day with one another. They gather in their homes and they share meals with one another. And, and on top of all of this, what we see is that God is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. It's a growing family. And we look at that description and we're just like, wow, that is, that is incredible. That is a beautiful description of what it means to be the church. But there's a problem because right in the middle of that description of all these things that we would look at and we'd say, that sounds great. There's this one line that continues to bother people. And the line reads this. It's verse 44. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. See, we learn that in this community, nobody regards their money or their possessions as their own. That they are freely giving to one another. That they're even going so far as to sell what they have in order to give to those who have need. And this is a problem for many people in our culture and in the church today because one of the things that I've found when I've studied this text in, in Bible studies and I've gotten together with Christians is, is the things that people will say when we read this passage. You know, they might focus on the fact that they're gathering together in prayer. They might focus on the fact that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They may even focus on the fact that many signs and wonders and miracles are being done. But inevitably, I can promise you, in every single conversation, we get to verse 44, and somebody asks the question, well, what do they mean by all? What do they mean they had all things in common? I mean, Pastor, is that like a qualified all? I mean, what's the word in the Greek? Surely there must be a Greek word that we don't understand. All, really, all things in common? They're, they're selling and giving what they have to everyone as they had need? That, I don't know how I feel about that. In fact, I remember preaching on this text at, a, at another church where I was invited to speak, and, and I preached on Acts 2, 42 to 47. And I talked about the fact that all does in fact mean all. There's not some sort of Greek word that we don't understand here. And I talked about how being a part of the family of God means giving sacrificially to those who are in need. Being willing to sell and give away what you have to really actually truly view your possessions as not yours. And afterwards, a man pulled me aside at the end of the service, and he began to lecture me. He said, he said I've never heard that passage preached before, and I don't like it. And I said, and I said why not? He's like, I don't like it because this just seems like, like a, a veiled adver advertisement for socialism. And if Jesus is telling us to be socialists, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. I'm not kidding. He was dead serious. He was really upset. He was angry because he thought that what this meant was that all of the things that he had weren't really his own. And he was right. And it bothered him that the expectation in the early church was that you would view what you have as being in common with everybody else. That you would be gladly and willingly give up what you have to benefit another. 
and it disturbed him. But likewise, this idea of giving sacrificially is also difficult to people who are not in the church because when we start talking about giving sacrificially in the church, many non-Christians say, see, this is what I thought. This is what religion is really all about. You really are after my wallet. In fact, this is something that I believed before coming to faith. Many years ago, I came across this quote, and it kind of resonated with me in my non-Christian days. It was a quote from a very famous writer, and he said, you don't get rich writing science fiction. He says, if you want to get rich, you start a religion. Now, do you know who said that? L. Ron Hubbard, the guy who founded Scientology. And if he's right, I'm doing something terribly wrong. I'm in the wrong job. Or maybe I'm just not doing the job properly. But this is what he thought. He said that if you don't, if you really want to get rich, you don't get rich by writing science fiction, you start a religion. And many people who are not a part of the church say that this is the problem that I have with religions. Is that you often call us to give sacrificially and then you abuse what we give. You use it to buy more comfort for, those, for your leaders and for those who are in charge. You say that we're a family, but really you treat it as if this is nothing more than a hyper-spiritual pyramid scheme. You see, this passage causes people of all stripes, Christians and non-Christians, to become uncomfortable because of that idea of giving sacrificially is radically countercultural. And I think that the reason that we have a problem with this value of giving sacrificially is because we have, a, we have a twisted view of what it actually means to be the church. That both in our broader culture, but also within the Christian family, when we think of church, we tend to think of the things the church does. We tend to think of worship services and committee meetings. We tend to think of membership cards and potlucks. We tend to think of our activities. That, that card up there, that membership card, by the way, that's actually my membership card. But when I became a pastor, I was issued an LCMS membership card. But this is kind of what we think. We, we identify the church with these activities and with these systems and with these structures. And really underlying all of this is this idea that, that what it means to be, really be the church, that what the church really is, is the church is nothing more than a voluntary social organization made up of card-carrying individuals. It's a voluntary social organization made up of card-carrying individuals. Now, we might never say it that crassly. We might not put it that bluntly. But I think many of us, both within the church and outside the church, that's how they think of church. That I come to the church in order to receive certain spiritual goods and services. That I will put into the church what I think is required in order to continue to receive those goods and services. And then the moment that I no longer receive those goods and services, I will move on to another spiritual community. Maybe one that has a little bit meatier teaching. Maybe one that goes a little bit deeper into what I'm expecting and into what I desire. And while we might never articulate it this boldly and bluntly and explicitly, this attitude is what makes it hard for us to understand passages like Acts 2, 42 to 47. It leaves us ill-equipped to understand that yes, all means all. It's what causes us to struggle with this idea of giving sacrificially because in a voluntary social organization, what really ends up ruling is our wants. Our wants rule. And I will give so long as I'm getting what I want. I will put in 
what I think is required in order to continue to ensure that I receive what I desire. And so we might give. In, in this kind of a view of church, we might give. And we might even give extravagantly. But we're giving because we're getting something back. And the moment we no longer get back what we desire, we take our sacrificial giving elsewhere. It's not truly the kind of generosity that we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Because there's still something in it for me. And while I might call it a sacrifice, it's really nothing more than a transaction. And there are a couple of tests that you can run to kind of know, well, which one is going on in my heart? Let me give you a, a very clear one that I think kind of hits close to home. What would happen if tomorrow you no longer received a tax benefit for tithing? That you no longer would receive a tax benefit for giving your money either to the church or to a missions organization? What would happen if tomorrow you no longer received a tax break for giving sacrificially to, a, to those who, are in, who have certain social needs or to certain nonprofits that provide for those who have less than you? What would happen to your giving? Whatever your heart just did right there indicates maybe how we're approaching this idea of giving sacrificially. It probably highlights that maybe we have a, a twisted view of the church. Or let me give you another example, one that's not financial. What if tomorrow we said we are going to change our style of worship? We're going to change our style of worship because there are certain people in our community that we know we could reach better if we kind of diversified things a little bit. We'll still sing hymns and we'll still use organ, but we're also going to start singing in Spanish because there's a growing Latino community and we want them to feel welcome and understand what they're singing when they come to our church community. Would you be willing to make that sacrifice? Would I? Whatever our hearts did when I gave those examples gives us an indication that maybe there is something wrong with how we approach the church when it comes to giving sacrificially. Because really what I would argue is that the reason we have a hard time doing what the early church did, the reason we have a hard time understanding that all means all, is because we really have a heart problem. And then the problem and the reason it's hard to give sacrificially is because it's not really a sacrifice of our money that's the problem. It's a sacrifice of our wants. I'm happy to give money so long as I feel I'm getting something out of it. But the moment what you're asking me to give to impinges on my wants, well now that deal is off the table. See, we, this, is, this is the challenge that we run into. This is the real heart issue that lies underneath why we struggle with sacrificial giving. In fact, Jesus had a very, said this very, very clearly in his, in his teachings to his disciples. He said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which is why when it comes to our giving and how we give and how generously and how freely and how free we feel to give is actually a very, very good indication of where our hearts lie. Jesus himself said it, that where your treasure is, your, there your heart will be also. And the challenge for us is to examine, well, what's really going on inside? 
I mean, we can talk about things like Financial Peace University and having financial margin in your life and budgeting and things like that. All good things, all very good disciplines. But if we talk about all those disciplines without getting at the heart, I think we're going to continue to miss the point. That what we need is a transformation within our hearts. Pastor Tim Keller in New York City put it this way. I think that this quote is very, very spot on. He says that whatever captures the heart's trust and love also controls the feelings and behavior. What the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. Whatever captures the heart's trust and love also controls the feelings and behavior. What the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. See, what he's saying is he's saying what we ultimately need when it comes to giving sacrificially is a transformation from the inside out. Because what wins the affection of our hearts is ultimately they're going to then control how, what we think and how we behave. But that also helps us to understand what was happening in the early church. It gives us a picture of how they viewed their relationship with God because you see the people in the early church understood something. They understood the heart of their father. They understood God's heart and it was out of understanding God's heart that they had a transformation within their own hearts. Which is why when we look at this story from Acts chapter 2, it's not an isolated incident. What we find is as you go through the entire New Testament, you read the whole book of Acts, you look at the writings of the early church leaders, they do talk about giving, but they always couch that talking about sacrificial giving in light of what God has already given to us. One of my favorite verses in this regard comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 where the Apostle Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He says, consider the heart of our father, our father who was willing to give up everything and receive nothing in return. That when he came into our world and he laid down his life for us, it wasn't so that he could get some sort of financial return. It wasn't so that he could receive some sort of benefit. No, he laid his life down and gave sacrificially for you and for me. He says the heart of God is that God gives sacrificially without hesitation. He does so with joy for the benefit of others. And the early church leaders knew, they knew that if that were true about God, it means that God is going to take care of us no matter what. Again, Paul writes in Romans 8, 31 to 32, he says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's saying, look, God knows what you need. He's going to provide for you. And so you need not fear to give sacrificially to others. Last but not least from 1 John Chapter 3, verse 16, John writes, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he goes on to talk about giving sacrificially to those who are in need. You see, the early church understood the heart of their father, and it led to a heart transformation within them. 
So when the early Christians thought about what it means to be the church, what they saw the church as is not a voluntary social organization made up of card-carrying members. No, the way they define church is the church is a loving family led by a gracious father. It's a loving family led by a gracious father. That that's really what it means to be the church. And when you understand that, it does change everything about how you approach things like giving. It actually changes how we read the text. So I want you to switch your heads for a second. I want to do a little mind shift here. I want you to again listen to a description of the early church, but to listen to this description of the early church as a loving family led by a gracious father. If the church is a family, how does it change how we hear these words? Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. See, if I think that the church is nothing more than a voluntary social organization, that still comes off as strange. But if I think of the church as a family, a loving family led by a gracious father, that no longer seems strange. That, that seems beautiful. It actually makes sense. Because that's the way things operate in healthy families, right? We realize that the things we have, they're not just for us. They're for the benefit of our family. I mean, I know, I know that my paycheck is not going to be spent by me. I know my paycheck is going to be spent by my wife and my children. But I'm okay with that. And you want to know why? It's because that's the point. That's the point. What I have is not my own. It's for the benefit of my family. It's for their good. It's for their needs. And so I don't mind. I don't mind. So long as every once in a while I can buy a book that I enjoy. No, but seriously, think about it for a second. When we love our family and we know that what we have is really there for their benefit, giving sacrificially is not a problem anymore. Giving sacrificially is not hard. It's actually a joy and a delight. When I realize that my father loves me, that he's given me everything in Christ Jesus and that now he's, he's brought me together in this family of other brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters who have my back and I have theirs, I don't care. It doesn't matter what, we, what, what's, what sacrifice is being called for because it's a joy and a delight. I'm willing to give sacrificially for the benefit of others and I'm willing to give so that the mission might go forward. I'm willing to give so that, yes, day by day, the Lord would add, would add numbers, uh, would, would daily add people to our numbers. I'm willing to give so that the mission, uh, the mission of God continues to move forward because notice that this loving, sacrificial family, simply by being a loving, sacrificial family and talking about their father and about his heart, ends up reaching more and more people. That they end up giving sacrificially to help one another, but also for the sake of the mission that God is calling, calling them to. And when I realize that, that that's the heart of my father, and that's the kind of family I live in, I want to ask, how can I give more so that more people know? More of my time. More of my prayers. More of my energy. 
And yes, more of my possessions and more of my finances so that more people will know. This is part of the reason why Trinity has missions partners, by the way, why we dedicate a portion of our budget as a church to giving it away to ministries that we didn't start, that aren't giving us anything back in return. In fact, on November 19th, we're actually going to have four, of, uh, four missionaries from one of our ministry partners joining us. We're going to have four people from the country of Estonia, which that's their flag, by the way, right there. We're going to have four members from Estonia from a, a, a missions organization called Josiah Venture. And what Josiah Venture does is they're basically sharing the gospel of Jesus in Estonia with the next generation. That many of these young people raised in Estonia, like their parents basically grew up with the iron, while the Iron Curtain was still up. They don't know anything about Jesus. And so Josiah Venture goes and they, te- they tell them about Jesus. And we are delighted to support them as a church, but on November 19th, they're going to be here with us. And one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is to go and, and have lunch with them. They're, we're going to be hosting a lunch on the 19th over at Green Trails after the late service. They're going to be there to share stories of what God is doing and to ask for, yes, your sacrificial giving. That some of you would step up and say, I want to support that work. I want to give to that mission so that more would know. But the point in all of this, the reason we're talking about this is because this is who we are as Trinity. We give sacrificially because Christ gave sacrificially for us. And it's my hope and my prayer that as we give sacrificially, we would indeed see the Lord adding to our number daily, those who are being saved. That as we give sacrificially, we would see how those gifts that we give, things that we used to think were so important to us, actually truly make a difference in someone else's life. And so my prayer for us and the question that I want to leave you with this morning is what's holding you back? Where is your heart? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my prayer is is if if you're hesitant, if you're afraid, if you're anxious, is to remember the God who gave graciously to each one of us. May his heart transform our hearts for the sake of us going and being a blessing to those who are in need. And so with that, I would like us to pray. Lord God, we give you thanks that you sacrificially give to us, that you will withhold nothing from us for we are your children. And Lord, we pray that as a result, we would hold all things in common. And so Lord, where we wrestle with that, where we struggle with that, Lord, we pray for heart transformation, that you, Holy Spirit, would help us to see where maybe our trust is misaligned, to, for you, Holy Spirit, to see where maybe we're, we're bound by fear or we're bound by a false view of what the church should be. And Lord, help us to see your heart, that you are indeed our gracious Father. And that you have made us one in this loving family known as the church. Out of the overflow of your generosity, may we give sacrificially for for the sake of those who have yet to hear your word. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.